Hear the word of God from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. This reading comes from the Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 895 in your pew Bible. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? But Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it, I closely observed. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, No, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brethren also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa. And bring Simon, called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John, baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance unto life. The word of God for the world. So um, a few weeks ago, my sister and I were having dinner with my mother, and we were remembering some of our old favorite meals. And there was one that we had forgotten that was actually such an old favorite. It had been a long time since we had it. It wasn't a very sophisticated meal. Matter of fact, it was extremely inexpensive, you might say. It was made of cream of mushroom soup, uh, peas, egg noodles, and canned tuna fish. It was the old-time tuna noodle casserole. Anybody ever? Yes? I got some fans in here, right? Well, you know, we were remembering why we would eat this, right? When did we eat this? We ate this on Fridays during Lent because we were raised Catholic. And during Lent, it's that season where Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays. We sometimes had spaghetti. We had manicotti. But we really loved the 
tuna noodle casserole that would come out. Every now and again, we'd get to go out to dinner, and they had fish fries all around. So we'd get a famous fish fry, right? It was interesting because um, I read, of course, on you know Google, Wikipedia, that um, this Catholic practice of fri uh, Friday's um, abstaining from fish was actually um, the impetus for the Friday night fish fries that began. And it said that actually McDonald's fish sandwich was inspired um, due to this early practice. Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about it, during uh, Lent for Catholics, uh, they required their people to practice abstinence in this way. Um, this abstinence um, was an act of penance, and it um, helped connect people to remembering um, Christ's death. It was on a Friday, and so they remembered what Christ did for them through this act of penance. And this ancient tradition of penance, it was meant... It was meant to deepen your faith and connect you more to God, but for many, it had become a rule, and it actually had become a rule that said, oh, we're in, and you're out, right? Yeah. In some ways, it got me to thinking a bit about this text today that we hear from Peter, so let's take a look at it for a minute. You know, this text falls in the book of Acts. And the disciples, they had been out uh, traveling, um, proclaiming the good news. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they were out sharing God's love with everyone around them. They had been traveling through the region and doing what Jesus commanded them to do, to make disciples. So there they were. They were out teaching the way. They were baptizing others. And they were coming together in community where they were centering their lives on loving God and loving others. And today we hear in our story that Peter seems to be being called on the carpet because he ate a meal and he ate certain kinds of food with people that were considered unclean. It was those outside the Jewish community. He had two strikes against him. You ate food that was unclean and you ate with people who were unclean. And it's interesting because the ones who were calling him out on this were Christ-following Jews. They weren't people outside of the church community. Christ-following Jews were, were calling him out on this. And when we look at the story today, we learn from Peter that while um, he was traveling on his journey, he needed to take a break. And he tells them the story about this surprising vision that he has. It said he had gone to spend some time with God, got up on that rooftop there and was praying Scripture tells us he fell into a trance. He had a vision. And this surprising vision that God revealed to him gave him this. It said, it's time to let go. It's time to let go of those dietary restrictions that separate you from others, those outside the Jewish community. This story tells us that Peter listened to that vision. And he went to the home of Cornelius and his family. And there he sat and he ate with them. And he shared the good news. And the community that was with them at the time came to know Christ. It's interesting because the preceding verses actually tell you um, the actual story of what happened when he was there with Cornelius. Listen to, listen to what happened. It says when he was with Cornelius and the family... Peter began to speak to them. 
And he said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter goes on with the family and Cornelius and he begins to explain to them um, why in the past they had these dietary restrictions and what that, would, what that meant. And then he says those no longer exist to separate us. No, he says, we are now one in Christ. And he goes on to share the good news of who Christ is and how they could be in relationship with him. And then listen to what the text says happens. It starts in, it's in verse, uh, chapter 10. It says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even these Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said to them all there, can anyone withhold the water of baptizing these people who received the gift of the Holy Spirit just as we have? And so then he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they all invited him to stay for several days. I mean, how cool must that have been? Here these people were considering themselves outside the community of faith, and in walks this, this person who shares with them love and hospitality and explains this good news and says, you're get to be a part of this. Let's join together. And they do. They sense the spirit in the room with them. They are baptized as a community of faith, and they are ready to participate in making God's love real in their world and around them. It had to be so such an exciting moment. I mean, being there with those other disciples. God revealed to Peter what Christ had been teaching all along. And now Peter was feeling free, free to share this good news with everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. So there he was, celebrating with this community of faith. And then the scripture we heard read today, a few days later, well, news traveled fast. Off to that other group of Christ-following Jews heard about what was going on and said, hold off. Wait a minute, what is going on? Peter, you need to come back and explain yourself to us. What are you doing out there? I mean, he was being called into account because they heard he was eating with people that were unclean and he was eating unclean food. But you know, before we beat up on these uh, Christ-following Jews that are gathered together in leadership and those disciples that were following him. You know, in Peter's context and in the life of that community, these laws were very serious to them. They weren't just rules for rules' sake. I mean, those rules, they, they were tied to the state of one's soul. It was, a, it was about the relationship that they were having with God. You see, for a Jew in Peter's context, those dietary restrictions... They designated what food you ate and whom you could eat with. And so they actually comprised a part of the holiness code in the scriptures. I mean, these were the scriptures that they had been a part of their life as a Jewish community for 3,500 years. These purity laws, they're listed in the scriptures. And it was interesting because I read one note um, that the count was about 613 commandments in the five books of Moses. 
and they lay out the purity laws that encompass a whole host of things about what it means to be human. It lays out birth, it lays out death, it lays out gender, health, sex, economics, um, behavior, hygiene, certainly ethnicity. And those Gentiles, they were automatically considered unclean in these purity laws. You know, when you think about it, in word and deed, in Jesus' ministry, he often disregarded and ignored these distinctions of ritual purity as measures of a spiritual status as he met with those outside the Jewish community, as he touched them, as he healed them, as he ate with them, right? Isn't that what Jesus was doing when we read about his life in the scriptures? And now Peter has learned the same for himself in this surprising vision that he has. See, the thing is, they were getting so wrapped up in their rules that they were missing out on the holy that was sitting right in front of them. I mean, instead of expressing the holiness of God, this ritual purity was becoming a means of excluding people considered that they thought were dirty or polluted or contaminated. One Bible commentary, they said this, they said, throughout the New Testament, we find a narrative world that depicts God's purposes and an activity extending outside the predefined boundaries and categories that had been used to speak about God and God's people. You know, I think today most of us aren't surprised, really, that God's purposes extended beyond the Jewish community, right? We, I think we get that. But I do wonder, what are the categories that we claim to exclude from the bounds of God's divine purposes? You know, what are those various ways that we distinguish us from them in our contemporary context? I stumbled upon this interesting uh, passage while I was um, working on this message, and it came actually from John Wesley and his explanatory notes um, from a uh, uh, section of text on some Second Timothy chapter 3, and it's where um, he's talking about how we understand and live out scripture in our lives. And in Second Timothy, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof and correction and training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God would be proficient and equipped for every good work. And then I turn to the way in which John Wesley explained this in his notes, and he said this. Wesley said, The Spirit of God not only once inspired those who wrote it, but continually inspires, supernaturally assists those who read it with earnest prayer. Wesley was describing that these scriptures are a living text that God can continue to breathe in the spirit alive within each group and community. I think part of Wesley's legacy that he gives us in his theology is his insistence that we as a church could look to God to breathe fresh into these sacred texts of scripture and that we might listen 
and wrestle together to discern what God is saying and not to be limited by our preconceived notions about the meaning of the text, but rather coming together and trusting the Spirit of God to be at work just as the Spirit of God was in the life of people through generations to generations. This this text, these words from Wesley reminded me that this might be a way in which can help all of us rethink any traditional biblical interpretations and understand obstacles that are putting us in the way of living out the fullness of what it looks like to be God's faithful people in our present day and into the future. You know, in a This best-selling book called Velvet Elvis, Elvis, any of you read it? It's by author Rob Bell. He reminds us that the Christian gospel, it's the good news of God's favor and blessing for every human being, every part of creation. And he says this. He says, it is especially for those who don't believe. The church must stop thinking about everybody primarily in categories of you're in or you're out or you're saved or you're not or you're a believer or you're a non-believer because the fact that these terms are actually offensive to those who are the uns and the nuns, they actually work against Jesus' teaching about how we're to treat others. The book of James says, God shows no favoritism. And so we ought not to either. When I looked at it, I realized how after Peter had this vision, and from the rest of his ministry, he began to live into something that was made very clear to him. It was made clear to him, and he shared it with those other disciples, that they were commanded to open up their ministry efforts to people who weren't Jewish because their message was meant for everybody. Everybody was invited to be a follower of Jesus. In that surprising visionary moment, Peter saw a view of humanity through God's eyes. Peter realized that God's love, it was bigger than other artificial barriers that they had put into place. And Peter went out, and he told that story. And so when he was called into account, wondering why had you eaten with those folks, why had you eaten that unclean, Peter was very clear as he shared that vision with these Jewish leaders. And he reminded them of their task and their mission. Now, as Christ followers, He said, because this mission is not just about you, remember, it's not just about you and your faith, but it's a message that's meant for everyone, everyone who has not yet experienced the love and the grace of God in their life. I like how McGray put it this week in responding to this text. He said, this is our challenge and our task as a mission today to introduce to the world a different kind of Christian faith, not one that's defined by exclusion or framed by division, but one in which all people are loved by God 
one that doesn't cause harm, but that brings life, one that brings hope. I mean, we have a community and a world around us, right, that's filled with people who've been burnt by the church, don't we? People who have well walked away because they've been dehumanized or belittled or excluded on grounds of religious conviction. I mean, we see it day in and day out, right? They're excluded because they're gay or were excluded because you're poor or excluded because you look different or act different or believe something different than we do. And maybe the invitation for us is to consider how, how could we be called to a different kind of religious expression? Not religion at its worst, that's exclusionary, but religion at its best. I mean, think about it. We practice a faith where God doesn't draw a line in the sand and say, you're in or you're out, right? I mean, we practice a faith where we place God's love as free and available to all. There's no gavel. There's no handcuffs involved. Our faith is wide enough and big enough to walk alongside any hurt or harm that has been done to somebody else and invite them to join us in a journey of faith together faith that's inclusive, a faith that's welcoming, and a faith that is centered in Christ and centered in the scriptures of God. We practice a faith that allows us to question scripture and to discover truth. And we're shaped by reason and tradition and experience as we look to live out this life of faith and relationship together. And in our text today, Peter explained that this surprising vision, it changed him. And he shared that as he gathered together with Cornelius and that family and what happened there with those Gentiles was transformational, not just for him, but for that entire community of faith. And as those who called him into account heard this, Listen to what they said at the end. They replied, God has given, even to the Gentiles, the repentance that leads to life. They too realized that God had opened up this ministry to include everyone. I think we do believe Though religion at its worst has caused some of the greatest problems in the world, the best answer to those problems truly can be religion at its best, right? The thing is, you and I get to be a part of that. And I love it because we don't do it alone. We do it together in community, right? Because this congregation, all of us together, it's a place where we all can learn how to live that out, religion at its best. And we can figure out, I believe, how we might do that together in this present day. Let us pray.
Oh God, you created all people in your image. And we thank you for the amazing diversity that we have around the world, the astonishing varieties of races and cultures. Lord, enrich our lives by ever-widening circles of fellowship and show us how your presence and those who differ most from us might bring us together in unity with you. May that unity come until the knowledge of your love is made perfect in our love for all of your children. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in God's tithes and offerings this morning. <laughs> 